Hi, my name is Visha Cadell, and I'm bringing you Behind the Face of Success, a podcast that delves into the untold stories of people that have reached great heights in their careers and the decisions, whether good or bad, they took to get there. According to the Mental Health Foundation, physical activity has a huge potential to enhance our well-being, making us more positive, energetic and improve sleep. And if you've been following this series so far, you would have heard that sleep is a common piece of advice being shared by guests in order to show up well, personally and professionally. So I've invited a good friend and a well-known Peloton instructor, Hannah Frankson, to speak to me about this but also as she's a positive influencer in the well-being space to learn more about how she's got into what she does today. But let me start by sharing a little bit more about her. Before Hannah joined Peloton, she was a former competitive triple jumper who trained alongside Olympic level athletes for seven years. After she's finished competing, Hannah discovered indoor cycling, combining her passion for fitness with music and making exercise fun. Hannah is also an experienced personal trainer and fitness model. And I just can't wait to speak to her today because I know it's going to be a fun chat. Hello, Hannah. It's so lovely to see you today and thank you for joining me. Absolutely no problem at all. I I would do... (laughs) I'll do this 2,000 times for you. Oh, love you. <laughs> also, I'm trying to like contain myself with all the smiles because I just love seeing your face. And I know it's going to be such a good chat like we always have. But I know you really well because you're a really good friend of mine. But so many people know you as a famous Peloton instructor. I mean, I use your rise all the time. And I just love for some of the listeners that be listening into this podcast to learn a little bit more about you, how you grew up, the environment you grew up. And yeah, just talk to me about that. Uh, I grew up in Essex, in Rumford, with my mum and my dad. My dad is Caribbean, my dad's Jamaican, and my mum's English. Both lived in London. They both lived in South London. Now I give South London a lot of slack, but my mum and dad are both from South London. Then they moved to East London and then moved further out to have me. I always find it really weird because everyone's always like, oh my God, your mum and dad are still together. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I think a big part of that, my parents met at church. So that was a massive part of my upbringing as well. My granddad, my mum's dad is a pastor. So my dad met my mum at the church that my granddad was the pastor of. So my granddad would have been my dad's pastor, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I can't really deny how much of an influence that going to church had on like my upbringing and my early life. And I can't say that it didn't. It was quite big. Yeah. Was that because of the community? Massively. So I'm from Rumford and there weren't that many. um, I was one of the only black children in my school but going to church, I went to church in Ilford, which is even more on the borderline of East London and Essex than Romford is. <laughs> but um, I had a lot more black friends at church and I felt a little bit more seen there. So it was really good. Yeah, massive community. You get chucked up and down the aisle. I was one of those kids. I would, meet, I would see people out in Ilford or Romford and they'd be like, oh, I know your mum. I, like, I couldn't get up to no good. 
in Romford or Ilford because there'd be people with their eyes on me that I wouldn't even know <laughs> that know me from church or through my parents. I always had to be a good girl. <laughs> oh, that's wicked. Also, I never knew that you were born and bred in East London. I'm born and bred in East London. I just had South London in my head I, for some reason. No, I'm East. Well, I'm Essex. I can't claim East. I'm Essex. I'm that annoying borderline. <laughs> <laughs> so really interesting to hear about those sort of positive influences in your life and the community and how your parents brought you up. But as you were thinking about the future, who did you want to be before you became the woman you are today? When I was younger, I knew that I was good at running I knew I was fast and my dad would always watch athletics and uh, he'd always take me to the competitions he did it when he was younger so when I was younger I always wanted to run I just wanted I just wanted to run I wanted to be an athlete I wanted to go to the Olympics ever since I was tiny that's exactly what I wanted I I remember I used to tell my mum as well that I wanted to do something where I could help people I remember saying that I wanted to be like a social worker or a, a youth worker or I wanted to do something that would help naughty children. I wanted to help people. My mum's a nurse, so I think that's where that comes into it. She's always quite caring. And I guess, weirdly, doing athletics, you do get to do that a little bit. You do get to kind of tell a story about how sport can give you options and can get you out of hard situations. So... In a weird way, I kind of got what I wanted from when I was little, I guess, from reflection. I love the way you put that because I didn't actually think about it until you just said that right now, which is, you know, when you're actually thinking about fitness, you are helping people all the time. You're helping them. I mean, we'll talk about it in a bit, but helping people mentally, physically, you know, getting stronger, getting fitter. So I think that's something we never talk about when you're a personal trainer or you don't give enough credit, I'm, I'm getting to, I think, to somebody that actually is helping people consistently in their everyday work. I mean, I'm a marketer. I sit on a desk and I create campaigns. <laughs> so it's <laughs> very different things. But how did you fall into fitness then? Do you want the long version or do you want like the short version? I want the best version. Okay. You got I'll to... give you the best version because I didn't ever actually want to be a personal trainer or a spin instructor. Like the first time someone asked me about both of them, my answer was like, no, because I used to do athletics, because I was competitive, I always saw fitness as a fallback for people that didn't make it in athletics. So I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to lie. I don't want to be the one that didn't make it and then went into personal training, which is obviously what I, exactly what I did. But teaching like indoor cycling as well, when I first got into that, I remember there was a studio that was opening. They were looking for a whole new roster of instructors. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. No, no. Just a bit anti. I don't know why for no reason. But anyway. I was modelling. I'd always modelled when I did athletics to try and get more money to keep running. And I got, I did, I did quite well, actually. I modelled for lots of different people, like a lot of sports brands, Nike. I did any sports brand I've probably modelled for. Then I, when I left athletics, still modelling, I went to work at Puma as a product line management intern. So I was like working with the design team, still modelling, I stopped working at Puma and didn't really know what to do after that. So I kind of just just modelled and was just hustling, just picking up money wherever I could. But one thing I was still doing was going to the gym. So I think I realised my frame of mind then was 
if I'm getting these modeling jobs for looking like an athlete, I've got to remain looking like an athlete. So I used to still go to the gym. I wouldn't say it was the healthiest reason. It was more to do with the way I looked. I was like, I need to stay looking like this because if I haven't got a job, I've at least got to get money. So this modeling stuff is getting me money. So at least I'm making money. I realized I quite enjoyed going to the gym still after athletics had kind of crumbled away. So I did a PT course. Finally, I kind of bit the bullet and was like, do you know what? Let's just do a PT course, see where it leads. Got a modeling job working for Equinox. I did their campaign. I was on the front of their building and I was just finishing my personal training course and I got invited down to one of their events. And see, well, I told you this is a long version. <laughs> I like it because in my head, I'm wondering like, is some of this luck or is some of this hustle? I think it, I think it, I think it is. So then I, I met some of the team there and I kind of dropped in. I was finishing my personal training course. I didn't really know what Equinox was before I had done the photo shoot for them. I did their campaign. So there was a massive picture of me on the side of the building at Equinox. The personal training job really was mine to lose. So I went in there. They all knew who I was. They'd all seen my face. And I just finished my personal training course. And then I started working at Equinox. And that was the only gym I've worked at. The modelling carries on. So when I was working at Equinox, I got another modelling job where I met someone who was a spin instructor at Boom. And she messaged me. Her name's Chloe. We actually work together now, which is really weird. Chloe told me to come down and audition for Boom. And I did. And so that's how I got my first ever spin job as well. So it flowed from modelling in a really weird way. That is, yeah. But it also feels like it's such a nice journey that you've taken because you've done like multiple different things along the way you know I love seeing you doing your classes even though I've tried to do some of your live ones still wait for a shout out you always say that to me you're like you never give me a shout out when I'm live when you're live but you know like it's such an interesting field as well especially now well now that you work with Peloton and obviously Peloton is such a big brand right Mm -hmm. and it's almost like combining so many different elements I'd say so you know being well known being an influencer your role is not just a spin instructor from what I can see personally it's sort of almost like it's a larger brand but then each of you guys the instructors have become your own brand off the back of that so do you find it quite a competitive field to be in in that space when you think about your own brand and how you're showing up I think when I was personal training I found that quite competitive you're constantly having to sell yourself and your services that was probably the hardest thing I found I wasn't very good at selling myself but it was almost the easiest thing about teaching I'm going to call it like group fitness like when I talk about boom and like peloton I'll call it to me I always see it as that group fitness is one of you training a lot of people so I'll just group it together for ease I'll call it group fitness but when I was doing that I felt like there's competition but actually no one else is going to be me so we're all doing exactly the same thing but no one is doing it as me with my experiences with my background so I didn't really see that much competition in it I totally get in personal training to me it was a minefield there's the the online route there's the working in the gym route there's getting your clients if you choose to be a personal trainer that goes into people's houses there's how you marketing yourself But in terms of group fitness, when I just had to be myself, I felt like 
well, you can't be me, so there's no competition, really. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know when I first got a Peloton bike, I remember doing one of your classes before I even knew you. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to do one of your classes was because you were the only British instructor I saw. But at that point, you were the most diverse. So I actually kind of felt like, oh, gosh, it's like one of me. And I really love seeing you. Then your like catchphrases came out and I was like, yep, she's definitely <laughs> one of my people. So I think you do stand out for those reasons. And I think there's definitely a specific kind of community that follows you. What is the most rewarding thing for you is being in this, working for Peloton, but also like working in this field of work. I know it feels like influences from your background and your family have come into this, but what do you personally find like, oh God, I just love doing this every day. I think it's that. I think it's that it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a job. <laughs> it doesn't feel hard. I really, I really enjoy it. I genu- genuinely really enjoy what I do. I also like to see people's journeys. And when I was a personal trainer, that felt so special. I would have people come to me and they would have just got out of a relationship. And then you'd see them meet someone else, get married, have children. Do you know what I mean? It's like what being part of people's journeys. I had people that were children who were going off to university and then it was just them now. And I was getting like these really insightful little snippets of people's lives. And I feel like they'd come to you maybe at first for personal training and, and that was it. And then you'd leave feeling like, you'd left them empowered in a in a completely different way and especially where I was when I was at Equinox some of my clients were living lives that I've never I've never seen before I was getting this insight into people's worlds I'd never seen and what I loved is that everyone I met everyone that I trained was so amazing they were all such great people and I think maybe they may had never come into contact with someone like me before either so I really did love the personal I, I love the personal connection and connecting with people that I get from my job, which is what makes it feel like it's not a job at all. It just feels like I'm connecting with humans, which I think is beautiful. There's only so much you can learn within your own space and the places that you live. You have to go out and yeah. meet. It's how we, you and I met, actually, because yeah. we would have never crossed paths, no. but we are actually part of the same committee group but when you have it in your job it's a very different feeling isn't it and that's why diversity is so important just different ages and different groups and and I think that's why communities at this point especially this year has been such a strong point Mm -hmm. for brands but also you as an influencer that has a following as well coming to Peloton all I've got is like people's names their leaderboard names as well not their real names the name that they've given themselves their age, where they are in the world, and their gender. That's all I can see. So sometimes I have to draw from my experiences in the past, like all the perspective that I've built of people that I've worked with in the past to help me today. So, yeah, perspective. I feel like wherever and whenever you can grow your perspective is is a massively important thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think growing perspective is so important. And, you know, look, we've just talked about so many, like, parts to celebrate so many parts that are like wins you're trying to progress in your career or like the people you meet and the communities you meet but one of the things I really love to talk about is failures and learns but 
you know, if there's something that you feel you're comfortable sharing about a fail that you've experienced in your career so far or your life so far, but something you've learned from, is there something that comes to mind? The one that I speak about the most and the one that I feel made me who I was was failing to make it in athletics in the way that I wanted to. I dedicated all my teenage years to athletics and all the way past my university years as well. So I was doing it through uni and out of uni. And I always say, oh, I didn't make the Olympics. But it's not that I didn't just make the Olympics. I didn't actually go to any major championships. So leaving the sport at the time, it felt like I was leaving with nothing. Like I didn't have anything to my name I could I think I always talk about not making the Olympics but I think the bittersweet ones for me is that I didn't go to the Commonwealth I feel like I don't know if I've made this up or this is real but I feel like sometimes there's fails that are active fails so like things that you didn't make I didn't make the Olympics but the worst one for me I don't want to say the worst one because I'm glad I left when I did but something that always feels annoying to me is that I'll, I'll call it a passive fail. Like I didn't even try. I didn't try to go to the Commonwealth Games and I had the qualification, but I stopped. I just feels like I've had enough. I wanted to go to the Olympics and I didn't make it. So I'm just going to stop now. So that feels like a failure, an active and a passive one in one really. But I know why I stopped, why I didn't want to go to the Commonwealth because I, I was just done with athletics. I'd had enough of it. And I was asking myself, if I don't go to the Commonwealth, does that deny me of all the experiences that I've experienced? Does that take away? Who, who am I proving? Well, if I do go, if I, if I keep training this year and I hate every second of it, what am I proving and to who that I was an athlete? And I had a little conversation with myself and I was like, yeah, I, no one can tell me that I wasn't an athlete. I didn't make it to a major championships, but I learned so much through athletics I've made friends I've had experiences like I've got stories I've pushed my body I've met so much like there's so much I gained from it that it wasn't actually a fail and I think sometimes we only really truly fail if we don't try in the first place that that's the biggest failure so I don't as, yeah. as much as I did fail, I didn't make it I feel like it was actually a beautiful opportunity to to be able to fail. I feel like that's the whole point of failure, really. And life in itself is to do things, try things, and then not make it and do something else. If you don't try, if you don't get up and try and make something happen, to me, that is the biggest failure that can happen. So I didn't go to a major championships, but I've, I've had so much from that. So... Yeah, turning your, your failures into wins, really. Yeah, that's just so beautifully articulated, actually. I, you know, failure could be so beautiful and how you've just had a redirection almost to get to where you are right now. And obviously there's times where you look back in life and you go like, mm. oh, why didn't I just do that? But then look at where you are right now. This is meant to happen. I think life is like serendipitous. Like you have to... Be- you have to believe that. So I don't know the opposite way of thinking about life than thinking that there's there's some form of grace and there's something 
supporting you. Like if you're doing the right thing, I sometimes feel like the right things happen. And when I was saying that, when I told you the long version or the short version, and I gave you, I think I gave you the long version there of how I got into fitness. But when I when I left Puma and I was just modeling, and I didn't really love modeling, like it wasn't something that I wanted to make my full career. I worked at Puma and I was like, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do, work with these design teams. And I started applying for jobs in merchandising. And if I'm honest, I don't know what merchandising is. So I'm applying for these jobs. I'm like, what, what is this? I'm wasting days sitting at the computer applying for these jobs. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. No one wanted me. And then I was like, right, I'm going to go and do PT. I'm going to go and do personal training. And it worked out. It was the right thing for me. And the right things happened. And it pushed me in the right direction. I'm glad they didn't want me. The worst thing they could have done is hold yeah. me. I didn't even know what a merchandiser was. So that's why I wasn't getting the jobs. I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even trying, really. I wasn't. Even- I just thought, well, this is what I better do, I guess. I've done this job at Puma. It was great. It was a year's internship. So now what? Well, I guess I'll go into something similar to that. It's like, no, don't just get dragged by life. Make life happen. Make what you want to do happen. Don't just let life drag you, drag you along. Yeah, sometimes we're in this place in the world right right now where we don't have to force ourselves to work just because we want the salary, but actually because we want to to do something to our values or be aligned with our values or uh, make us feel better about showing up at work. Do you know, talking about positive influences, one of the things that I love about following you on Instagram uh, specifically is that you're Instagram posts are really uplifting. They're very motivating. And I do feel like any posts that you put out, you're always talking about empowering people and getting them to think differently and pushing them out of their comfort zones. And I say that as a person that has really listened to those posts. Quite recently, I went on a trip to New York and I hate being, I like my own company, but I hate going on solo trips, but because I watched you do it and I thought, and we spoke about it too, and I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just go on a solo trip. What encouraged you to start to build your social media profile like that? Firstly, I love that you, I I still, we haven't spoke about this trip, so I can't wait to hear all about your your trip to New York and Chicago. I'm amazing. Can't wait to hear about it. Love a solo trip. Love a solo trip. This is the hardest thing for me about getting my job at Peloton there was a lot of talk about it in the interviews about how you know how are you gonna use your social media to I don't think I actually realized how how much my my social media would grow through being a Peloton instructor because it's something that I never I never really actively tried to do or be part of something that was always important to me on social media was I don't know if I told myself this or someone told me I, I always looked at it and thought if I was to show my if I had children and I showed them my social media would it make me proud or would I be happy for them to see what I'm showing the world if anything was to happen to me and this was all I had left is this a good thing to leave behind and I still think that today like when I think of my own posts and what I'm putting out there and like is this is this helpful is this good is it all right or is it self-validating is it is it just self-validating let's have a look do you know what I mean let's, let's be honest we all like to feel nice but is it just that and I guess it grew from from there I think I've been very lucky that Peloton has allowed me to welcome an audience already because of who I am I haven't had to 
kind of go from the other side and hope that people just find me. I mean, I, I do have to do that, but if you do my rides, you know who I am, which means you might look for me on social media. I just always kind of want to see what I want, what I want to find. And I think things like the solo traveling, it's changed my life in a way, like it's changed the way I, I travel, it's changed the way I put my holidays. So I would love to encourage people to do things that they wouldn't usually do. I want to see more people like me. So I feel like sometimes I've got to be what I what I want to see. And I've got to talk about what I want to see in order to hope that other people will see it and want to be it as well, in a way. I totally get that. And I really resonate with that too, because one of the things that I am seeing quite a lot is that people are really lacking companionship right now. And then you always waiting for your friend to be available or your, to have a partner. And actually what you end up doing is missing life. It's so lovely about the fact that you are very capable of being able to just go out and experience your life. It's just kind of the, the mindset to approach it with, which I don't think is a, a mechanism that all people have. Not really. So you could book a flight and go somewhere, but then just probably be hanging out in your hotel room, <laughs> which is not what I did, I promise you. But, you know, like doing things, showing up, taking walks and how you actually do that. I think that's really important to convey. I know that when I first started at Peloton, I used to get so annoyed at being single. I don't know why I've got it used to like just get to me so much. I think it's because obviously the job I do now is so like I'm on my own quite a lot. I was on my own on the bike especially during lockdown, there were no people in the room. And then you just get all these messages of people being like, oh, I love your classes, you're great, da, da, da. And then there was no one at home. So I'd have all this energy that I was putting out. And then there wasn't anyone there with me to like get something back. I think when my mindset changed, I was like, I want other people, I want to do something practical. I want to do practical things where I'm saying like, yo, if you're single or if you're, if you don't feel like you love yourself, here are some things to do because I feel like, like I said, I feel like I needed to hear that. And I just, sometimes I just want to be what, what I need to hear. I think we need more love in the world. But I think about this quite a lot, especially when we're talking about the type of different uh, influences there are out there. Like I'm not a big fan of influencers. I won't lie to you. I don't really follow anyone. But in my mind, there are two types of influencers to the points that we've just made right now, which is the types that actually just post a bunch of selfies, which is totally fine, but that has a knock-on effect of making people feel bad about themselves and loads of filters and all of that stuff. And then there's a different type of influencer, you know, the people that are experts in their fields that have understood, learned their craft, to your point around you've learned so much about athletics to get to where you are right now. And that's a very different type of influencer, one that can advise and nurture and help people grow and empower what do you think about those type of two two worlds of different types of influencers and how your audience resonates with either of those? Part of me massively commends anyone who wants to be an influencer or just, you know, like people that create content. Because I find you, just before this call, I was like, tried, I tried to plan it out a bit now because I find it so difficult. I go through like phases. Sometimes I'll be like all over it. And then other times I'll just, I'll be like, I don't know what to do. I can't do. So I take my heart off to people that can just constantly, constantly for years now, just keep bringing out more and more content. I think that in itself is an art. It's a skill. So first and foremost, take my heart off to them. And then 
when we think of influences and if it's I feel like there's like an easy route and a harder route there's the people that I feel like sometimes even people that are funny on social media it's harder to do that than just chuck up pictures of yourself looking cute like we could all do that it's, it's easy but I guess you've got to look at what you want in life I've never really wanted to take an easy route I think that's always been clear to me when it, when I was young I wanted to go I wanted to do athletics I didn't do I had to sacrifice a lot to do that and I didn't want an easy route so I guess sometimes I see why they're there and I, and I understand it and I think sometimes it's important that they're there and then on the flip side the experts I don't know what I'm an expert in I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know because like when I, I don't know like when I think of like the personal trainers that I knew in the gym I would consider some of them experts some of the best personal trainers are not the ones that are on Instagram and that the reason for that is because they're spending their time with their clients or they're reading up research they're writing programs and they're actually trying to train themselves or like have their own life they haven't got time for social media so it's like it's very hard but I would consider that some experts as well. They, I don't think they want to be on social. They don't need to be on social media. Yeah, that's probably quite fair. And it also means that you don't really have access to some of these people. But I guess rightly, because that's how PTs make earn a living, right? You know, one thing I feel like you're very passionate about is the combination of music and physical movement. You know, music and movement, that's a core value of yours. And I see that coming through on everything that you do and it's you know obviously movement has been related to supporting mental health but also so has music and audio as well I think Spotify's done lots of research around this in the past on how it helps improve mental health and also I think they did a massive partnership with UNICEF to help more younger people to improve their mental health through audio and music how do you think about both of those two things when you want to um, improve your own or think about your own mental health? Music makes you feel different things. So that's a massive part of our job is making people feel different, making people feel like they're going on a journey when really they're not actually, you're not going anywhere, just sitting on a stationary bike. I don't know how to break this to everyone, but they're not, they're just sitting on a stationary bike. When you say, like, now we're going to go up a hill, we're not going up a hill. I don't know how to break this to you, but you're not going up a hill. I'm just creating it through, literally through music and what I'm saying. Like, so the music coming in at the right point, for me, is so important. That's actually went outside for a run the other day. And I, this is going to sound so sad, but I did one of my own runs. I'm on the tread as well now. So I did one of my own runs. I went outside and... I know how I do my music. I know when I want people to feel different things. I want a little, I want a nice emotional song. Just, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to let everyone know. I want it near the end. And then I want to leave you feeling euphoric. And I did my own run and I'm running around Victoria Park, almost got myself like feeling emotional, like feeling like I'm going to cry. And it's me. I'm listening to myself and I'm listening to music that I put together. I think sometimes exercise is one of the first places where we can go into ourselves and realize that we can do things that we didn't know we could do so I don't do a lot of running outside so I think I was just a little bit shocked that I'd been running for that long 
And then the song came in at the right moment and it just got me, just got me, got me a little bit in my feelings. And then I got, I hit myself with the euphoric moment afterwards. And it's what powered me on at the end to feel really good. So I love that I get to do something that combines movement and music because they're two things that like keep me going in life. But like I said, I think movement always proves to you. It was always a way to show yourself what you were capable if you put your mind to a task, no matter what the task is, it's just exercise is a really easy first go-to. You kind of like shared so many amazing insights and feelings and thoughts around working in the fitness wellbeing sort of sector. If you had to drop three hot top tips to anyone that wants to embrace this field of work or wants to work for a brand like Peloton or wants to get involved in group cycling or whatever type of exercise there is out there, whether you want to sidestep your career, because a lot of people do move out of their roles and go into fitness, maybe later on in their lives. What are the three things that you say? I would say, make sure you experience it for yourself. So if you want to get into a group fitness go to loads of group fitness classes go to the most group fitness classes you possibly can and consider it an investment because when I was trying to become a better boom boom instructor I did everyone's class this is gonna I did the people that were selling their classes out I went to all their classes all the time I was like why is their class selling out why is mine not selling out I would put Shazam on and I would Shazam all their songs and I would look at the way they were doing things so I would say experience it for yourself and that is one thing I wish I'd done as a personal trainer is have a I've got a personal trainer now or I work with a trainer so it's so weird to see how it feels being a personal trainer like being personal trained and in hindsight I wish I'd at least booked a slot of sessions to see how it felt to be personal trained you're taking people on a very big journey it's a very big thing and I think sometimes personal trainers forget how hard it is to to be trained because a lot of them don't do personal training themselves so or get personal trained themselves sorry so I would always say just grab as much experience as possible go out and do all the classes do all the personal training get it all on yourself then I would say gain as much experience wherever you can, especially if you want to be a personal trainer, look down every avenue. Do you want to do one-on-one? Do you want to do try group training, try small groups, go to different gyms? There is so many options out there. It's not just this online way. It's not just one-on-one. I would get as much experience as you can. And I would say the third is to always remember the root of the fitness industry to me is personal and human connection. And I think that's why, especially if you want to do group, well, no, not just group fitness, any any form of fitness. I think you always have to remember at the heart of it is human connection. So take all the experience that you've learned and don't be scared to be authentic and be yourself out there because that is what will draw people closer to you it won't be pushing them away it'll be drawing them closer yeah I really love that actually because the lived experiences make such a huge difference and you know like there are lots of like underrepresented communities in in various different fields is there any sort of like underrepresented community you wish you could see more of or could welcome more into 
I feel like there's still not enough black instructors, especially black females. I don't see a lot of them in the fitness industry. So just like, just I guess for me, it's just like representation as a whole, like everywhere. Black females is the one that I would lean into the most. I don't remember seeing a lot of other black female instructors when I was at the gym. I was the only one at Equinox. And I was the, I think I was at maybe one or two when I was at Boom. Obviously, it's a bit different at Peloton. But on top of that, I guess, I had a conversation with a wheelchair athlete recently and it would be nice to see more disabled athletes represented in fitness and health as well. Yeah, I agree. And and also like equipment that can actually accommodate them. I think representation matters across the board. And I never really thought about it, but you're completely right. I haven't actually seen that many um, black instructors. And I think that's why you're such an incredible role model so that more people can try and come into this field because if you don't see yourself you don't feel like you should be here we've talked about social media quite a lot but there's also lots of toxic behaviors that you kind of see or experience especially I suppose on your front with you know people being able to have access to you and be able to you know well via Instagram or TikTok or whatever you might use but you're a very motivated very positive and and you know brilliant person how do you move away from like those kind of like toxic behaviors and just really focus on yourself and think about empowerment think about those solo trips you know the badass challenge was an amazing challenge that you did by the way I really hope you more of that but there's such a you kind of almost like I I'm sure it's not that easy so how do you get away from it all um I get away from it all <laughs> I get away I just, I just get away from it. I just literally run. I run in the opposite direction as fast as I can. No. Do you know what? I really love my friends. I don't think they realise, like, someone asked me this, actually. I was on a date and someone asked me this. They were like, oh, so like, what do you do to unwind? And I was like, do you know what? I think I like, really, I really like to just be with my friends because I don't have that many new friends. So... These are people that have known me before all this stuff. And it just feels like nice to be with my people. And also like just keep it to myself. I don't meet up with my friends and go, oh my God, can we do this for social media while we're here? Can we do this? Like, no, I'm just going out with my friends. I don't even, I don't even need to let anyone else know. I literally run in the opposite direction of it. I just do it and live my life. And no one has to know what I'm doing. I'm just living my life. And yeah, people that keep me grounded, are so important to me. Like, they have no idea how much they mean to me. I love my friends so much. I think that's amazing advice. I'm definitely going to be listening to that. And if you, like, you know, just to thank you for all of these conversations so far, but if you've had to surmise your success in three words, what would those words be? It's mad. Do you like, am I successful? Me? I'm successful? I'd be like... (laughs) <laughs> I would say redefined, messy, and completely incomplete. Incomplete in a completed way. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I like those three <laughs> three words actually. And actually that does summarize you up quite well from how I know you. So I just want to say thanks for the time. I've hassled you so much for this. So I'm glad we finally got to do it. One thing we can all learn from you, babe, is to, if you want something, go out and just keep trying to get it. Until you hear the word no, don't stop. Because the way you were like, Yo, are you free? Are you free? Are you free? And I was like, I will be at some point. I just don't know when. 
you were just you freak are you freak I was like yeah I am now and you're like cool let's do it yeah I'm relentless you did not give up she did not you did not give up you did <laughs> not give up <laughs> But I just want to say thank you for all of this because I have literally learned so much from you. Also, I think you've, like I said earlier on, empowered me. And I just love watching what you're doing. And again, your insights have been incredible. You've helped me as a friend, but also I think I'm growing more because of the fact that I know you and the positive influences that you have on me. So thanks for your time. And I can't wait to see you and tell you more about my trip away. I can't wait to hear all about it. Thank you so much. Like, you're amazing. Like Someone needs to interview you for your own podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> let's, see, let's make that happen. Hello, thank you for listening to Behind the Face of Success. I hope you've enjoyed it just as much as I have. If you've liked what you've heard, then please do share this podcast and any others you like in the series to your friends and family. 